And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. Now, look. We've talked about all different kinds of entrepreneurship. Many of us, including myself, had admitted to being serial entrepreneurs, possibly having entrepreneurial ADD, doing all kinds of things and finding all kinds of solutions because we just can't help ourselves. That's what we're going to get into today. And I've got one of those type of entrepreneurs with me today. I'm looking forward to talking to him, a man with many patents, many talents, and many solutions. Before that introduction, I do want to let you know that taking care of employees has never been more important. And for years, Gusto has been helping more than 100,000 small business owners run payroll, offer benefits, onboard new employees, and more. They call it the people platform, and it doesn't just look nice. It actually works. Get your payroll taxes filed, deductions calculated, get all kinds of benefits. Greatest part is, as a Startup Hustle listener, you get three free months when you after you run your first payroll. Go to gusto.com forward slash Startup Hustle. Back to business. Now, I mentioned that today's guest has is a man of many talents. With us today, we've got Shekhar Gupta, and he is the Chief Technology Officer at Asun. Let's just go ahead and welcome you to Start a Puzzle. Good to be here, Matt. Now, I, I always say that no one tells the story better than the founder, so I want to go ahead and start right there. Uh, you've done so many things and so much stuff. Let's get a little bit of backstory from you. Yeah, no, it's it's really exciting to be in Kansas City. I tell you this. I mean, you know, people consider us Kansas Cityans as flyover country, but that's really not true. I mean, people like you and there's so many others that we've met over, you know, so many years in Kansas City. It's just the, the tech scene, the innovation scene that is just inspiring. And that just inspires me every day for me to make Think about new issues, think about the problems we're facing in the community, think about all the solutions that that could happen. Um, you know, one of the biggest thing that I say, Matt, is don't wait for others to create solution for you. Let's just create solution. Um, if something is bothering you, if there is a problem you're encountering, well, why wait for somebody else to create? You know, you look at what Elon Musk did. You look at all these other people who are who are feeling the, the the problems in the world or problems in their lives and they're out there creating so that's what we're trying to create as well you know we've got we can talk uh, more about the companies that 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 we've created but you know just to give you an example of uh when COVID hit last year we were talking about how to keep people safe and secure and we came up with um a, a door a uv door uh, that can be implemented, installed right outside your your uh, location or right inside your location, rather. Um, and it's just like an X-ray door um, from um, from my airport. So you just walk through and you get cleaned up. 
So those kinds of issues, you know, I, I continuously tell people, including myself, that we have to continue to, to build upon, you know, there is a difference between innovation and invention. Not every invention can be innovative, but hey, every innovation is, is really good for the, for the world and, and for yourself as well. So, yeah, and speaking of innovations and inventions, yeah, share with the audience how many patents or patents pending you currently have. Yeah, so over the last 20 plus years or so, I've gotten about 83 patents uh, thus far, uh, whether I'm working for a company or whether I'm working for myself, you know, always looking out, trying to figure out what's the best way to generate revenue, what's the best way to improve upon a product, or what's the best way just to simply create one. And, you know, so, so out of those 83 patents, uh, most of them have been uh, converted into revenue generating products. And few of them have been used as defensive uh, patents from uh, by the various companies. Um, and I have about the last I counted, I still have about 115 patents in the uh, application um, in, in the queue still. So you talk, what's the difference? Like, how, why would a company use a patent for defensive purposes? Like, what's that strategy? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there are, um, for example, in telecom, you know, you've got, you pick up a phone, you dial a number and you make a call. Well, there's, there are patents behind that. So once you capture all those patents, then the next company is going to use those same patents. So either they pay a royalty to um, a, a patent holder um, and those royalties could, could, could be very expensive as well, or they simply use it because it's been around forever. Um, and then so the, those patent holders would come back and say, hey, you know, you're using our technology, so you got to pay us patent. So the other company can turn around and say, well, you're using our patent in another area, so you've got to pay us royalty as well. So they kind of meet up in the middle and say, well, okay, fine, you use ours, we use yours, you know, that's a kind of environment, a business deal, um, a defensive patent is, is used for something like that. So, you know, there, you talk about innovation and invention and certain things not necessarily having a path to revenue. And, you know, I, and I, I've had this discussion with a lot of people because there's a lot of really cool things that the world deserves and should have, but they're just not financially viable. You know, just like there's not, they're not monetizable. What's your process uh, in the early stages of an idea, you know, even before it's a true innovation? Like, how, what are you looking at trying to determine, okay, this is something that could generate revenue or this is just a cool idea? Yeah, no, absolutely. So it's a very good question, Matt. I mean, you know, if you are solving a problem, then chances are that that's going to be a revenue generating product. Um, and not just, not just, you know, that, that you like a different color, um, that may be just a problem for you because you may not like a beige color and you want to paint your house in orange green color. Well, that's probably just you. So, um, you know, so that may not be a problem. But one of the things that I look at it is that if I'm encountering a problem, is that problem widespread? I go out and talk with other people. The customer discovery is the best thing that, that one can do, an entrepreneur can do, a, a business person can do. You can have the best product in the world, the best thing that you created, but if there is no demand for it, 
then that product is worth literally nothing. Um, and that's a difference between an entrepreneur and a wantrepreneur that you can create something for yourself. It becomes your hobby. It solves your issues. Great. You generate some money out of it. Wonderful. Great. Who's saying that, that you've got to generate more than that? But the customer discovery process, whether you have to stand outside Country Club Plaza and talk with people walking by or whether you just send out an email or do some survey or something, that customer discovery is the best thing you need to do because that refines your product. That gives you some thinking. The innovation juice in your mind starts to, to circle around and say, hey, you know, I'm thinking that I got to go um, from, from point A to point B in a straight line. But if I took a curved line, maybe that's better for me. So that, that customer discovery, and you'll find out in that customer discovery how valid, how solid your business plan is. And if your business plan seems great, then my, by all means, go ahead and do it. As I mentioned, not every product is backed by an invention. Innovation plays a big role in there as well. You know, one of the examples that I give, Matt, is um, iPhones. When iPhones came out in 2007, um, I, I used Palm Pilot before it. I don't know if you remember, but there were Palm Pilots before it. We used cameras before it. You know, iPhone really didn't have much of an invention other than putting all these things together. The Palm Pilot, the cameras, uh, all the technology, they just put all that together and it became one of the best products in the world. So just, you know, look at the, the, the innovation part first. It could be just something that you tweak, a product that you tweak, a product that, that you, that you re repackage. That's what you need. Um, and, and you'll be on your way. So one last question on, on the patent front. We don't have to talk about that too much. Uh, what, because we've never really talked about that on this show. When does something qualify for a patent? Yeah, something that hasn't been done. That's, that qualifies for a patent. If a, a subsequent product development is not a patent, you've got a wireless mouse. Well, it was used to be wired mouse. Now it's a wireless mouse. That's really, I mean, people patented it, but that's a subsequent product development from wire to wireless. Now, if you think of something else out there that nobody has done it, nobody has thought of it, it's not a subsequent product development, and it could solve, um, let's put that aside, the solving problems, but some that, that, that nobody has done it before and it's not a subsequent product development, that's a patentable product, my friend. And if you can find a use for it, hallelujah. Okay, so, well, I said that was the last question about patents, I lied, I got one more. So <laughs> I'm, I'm being agile today on the show. Um, okay. So, when it comes to a patent, I mean, can I, if I, I, I talked every, I think every other person I talk to on some days has got this gr big grand idea to do a whole lot of amazing shit. It takes a little bit more than that to file the patent though, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, the first thing I say is that file a provisional patent, at least put your, put your time, put your name, put your number in a queue. <clears throat> So, and then once you file a provisional patent, you've got one year to refine that patent. And that one year could provide you really good learning experience. You'll find out in that one year, whether you gotta go through the provisional patent 
and or whether you just need to abandon that because there is really no use for it. But if you have an idea that you think could change the world, if you have a, uh, an idea that could cure cancer, just file a patent first and then start, uh, or provisional patent rather, and then you start looking at um, how to develop it um, and, and all the, the, the other processes in there. So I mentioned at the beginning of the show that, you know, there's lots of different types of entrepreneurs and I'm sure, you know, some, uh, I'm kind of in your boat. Like I've done too many things. Maybe, um, it depends who you ask and when you ask and how you ask, but you know, when it comes to, you know, for me over the last couple of years, so I'm coming into 2021 with the same new year's resolution I had last year, which is to not start any new businesses. Um, and instead I just decided to start our own TV show, which by <laughs> the way, you should check, check that out. Start Apostle TV, the real story of entrepreneurship, our new web series coming February, 2021. But I say that because as I've, as I've gotten a little older, I've learned to respect the power of at least mild focus. Um, I'm an ADD kind of guy, so I can never really do just one thing. But, you know, when I, when I hear, you know, 83 patents or something like that, how do you, you know, all you can do is all you can do. So where do you decide to focus your energy? And also, is it sometimes problematic to have that many things bouncing around in your head? Um, yeah, I mean, that's always, you know, a, a priority issue. Um, when, when I look at the way I'm going to do business, I have time set aside for what I'm going to do, when I'm going to do. Um, and I'm very, very big on time management aspect of it. Um, I don't, I, I, I followed the, the timetable, the schedule to the core. And, um, and, and that's something that I'm very much interested in, in working and even improving my, my time management skills. So, uh, and I don't chew more than I can handle. That's one of the other things, um, especially in the entrepreneur world. Um, and that's something that I keep telling my son as well. He wants to become an entrepreneur also. And he's 12 years old, but so his mind is all over the place. I'm like, no, you've got to focus, figure out one thing first. Do that thing first, make it really big, make it really successful, and then you branch out from it. And that's where I am, that I want to make sure that, that any company that I have, that any business holdings that I have, that any work that I have, I'm 100% dedicated to it first before I venture out to somewhere else. And, and, and that's very important to me. And that's why you know, some, I've known few people who in 20 plus years of um, uh, career have, you know, close to five, 600 patents and that's all they do. They just develop patents and that's what they do, but that's not me. I'm, I want to develop a patent because number one, I love this technology. I mean, I just love breathe. I could just sleep in technology if I could. I just, I just love the things that I'm doing. And that just drives me, um, insane. I mean, that just really drives me, gets me going all the time, thinking about what to do next. How do I solve this? Or, or what do I do? Um, you know, when we started our business last year, um, the COVID hit and many of our customers who had signed up to buy our product kind of dried up. So that just became a, a, a challenge for me and I love challenges. So 
I started figuring out how do I overcome because I don't want to sit around for this COVID to go away and then pick it up. I mean, that's not an entrepreneur does. So I started hustling around. I started finding out how do I uh, continue on, on my road to success. And I started getting success in there as well, figuring out how do I get the money to the customer so they can invest or they can spend money to buy my product. So, you know, those are the things that I do. I mean, I just, you know, time management, chewing um, as much as I can and not more than I can. I mean, those are the things that that keeps me going. I'm the, op I'm the opposite when it comes to uh, the, I mean, the time management thing, it's important for me at the same time. Like I, I uh, if, if I, if I'm inspired or have a specific motivation at the time, I I've learned to, I, I ride that horse until it won't ride anymore. And it's painful sometimes because some, I mean, I'm really not kidding. I really, it's like borderline obsession on many days. Um, like currently today at recording, I've been on one of those in one of those modes for the last two days. And that is resulted in four hours of total sleep in two days. And, and it's not cause I, it's, it, I can't, I, I would have to drug myself to go to sleep because I've got it. I'm highly driven and I, there's too many things going on in my head and, I can either just lay it when I'm like that, I can either lay in bed and stare at the ceiling and not sleep, or I can get up and just do whatever I'm thinking about. So, um, it's probably, like I said, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not always welcome. Some, some people, oh, I wish I had your drive. I'm like, no, you really didn't. Yeah. You really don't. You're, you're better off to, to, cause, cause you talk about the, the craziness or something It definitely sets in after a while. Okay. So, uh, entrepreneurs often have a guide, a mentor, someone that invested or made an impact on them at early, uh, who, who did that for you? Yeah. So, you know, there are many people that I know in, in my personal life, uh, that I learn from, there are many people that I see every day. Um, that I don't know. I wish I wouldn't. I, I, I wish I knew them, but I don't. Uh, and there are many times where I read about people who develop things out of just necessities, and 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 I'm just totally impressed every time with the, with their intuition, with their desire to do things, um, and and that just inspires me all around. I'm I get inspired by everybody. I'm not picky about. Um, who is going to inspire me? I'm looking at even I've learned from bad managers. I've had really bad managers in my life. I've learned from them just as much as I've learned from good managers. So, you know, it's just looking for inspiration um, everywhere I go. It's not just one or two people. It's everywhere. I mean, looking at you, Matt, I'm extremely inspired because, you know, I, I as, as I mentioned to you before that I, um, host a, a blockchain conference uh, in Kansas City. And last year, we didn't do it because of COVID. But by golly, you are keep going on this thing. And you're uh, coming out with new, new things, even in the COVID environment every single day. And I'm literally floored and ashamed that I didn't follow what you were doing uh, all throughout last year. So I'm, I, I'm, in, I'm inspired right now with you and, and your show as well. Well, thank you for the kind words. And it's not it's not just me. I, mean, I have to throw some uh, credit to Andrew Morgans and Lauren Conaway, as well as my business partner and co-founder at Startup Hustle, Matt Watson. So all, all of which I find inspiration from on different days for different reasons. Um, 
and you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and throw this out there because this is kind of funny. And I think it's important that we enjoy the show too. So lately I've been showing Lauren Conaway previews of Startup Hustle TV and then telling her that she can't share them, which is driving her crazy. So uh, next time you see Lauren or comment, make sure you let her know that I told the world about that. Um, it's She gets so excited about the promos and stuff. I'm like, we're not releasing this for four days. And then she gets mad at me. So, um, you know, it is what it is. All right. She's, so she's really a sweetheart. I mean, I got to tell you, you couldn't have picked a better person than her. Uh, Lauren's awesome. You know, it, 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 and she's such a different type of entrepreneur from you or I because her hustle is, is she's a servant leader. And she's a better person than I am for being able to get up and do what she does every day and be so passionate about it. And um, ha having already seen the first uh, many, many episodes of Startup Hustle TV, I will tell you that she is very open and sharing about so much of that. And we're looking forward to sharing that. Now, speaking of, of, of different stuff, uh, on my set list, which our amazing team at Full Scale created for us, your specialties, Shaker, are listed as IoT, data analytics, M2M, healthcare, blockchain, AI, smart dust, digital government, smart city, and machine learning. Man, leave some for the rest of us. <laughs> um, so that's a long list of stuff, man. Like which one? What? Which ones? Which ones? Uh, the flavor of the month right now? Yeah. So. Um... You know, DLT, the, digit, the distributed ledger technology that blockchain is one of them, um, and uh, AI machine learning. I mean, those are the ones that I'm really after. Um, and 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 I and I and I know there is a business case for them. blockchain, for example. You know, um, and then that's one of the things I'm a big proponent of the technology. I have been for eight nine years now. Um, and, and I know that the technology has a great feature, but it has limited use case as well. It's not, it's not out there solving the world problem or, or world hunger or bringing peace in the Middle East. I mean, that's not its form. Um, and, 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 and when I hear some of the companies using blockchain for what it's not supposed to be, I cringe. Um, and, and then when they come back and say, well, the technology didn't work, I'm just flabbergasted. I'm like, no, it's not the technology didn't work. It's because that wasn't the use case for it. So there are definitely use cases for everything um, in, in here. Uh, personally, you know, um, uh, and, and you, many times people say, well, you've watched too many Star Wars or, or a Terminator movies to kind of compare AI to something like that. But I definitely, you know, I'm not being paranoia, but I think there is that 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 could happen. I mean, there is no reason that and, and there is a company uh, backed by Google Ventures just came out with an algorithm on AI where AI can decide um, uh, with, with, where AI can make a decision um, on all by itself, not having any data, not having anything backed by it. The AI can decide, um, uh, come up with a decision all by itself. I mean, that's kind of scary because up until now, we're feeding information in machine learning. We're feeding uh, stuff to, to a system where the system starts to learn because of the things that we have fed in it. Now, that if the system starts to learn all by itself without us 
feeding anything, that is an AI for sure. But that could be very dangerous as well. And there are a lot of um, ethics committees in various different companies and at the government side to kind of guide us to, to show us how, where we should use AI and where we shouldn't. But man, this, this is an exciting time to be around, man, I got to tell you. I mean, you know, if you thought that the last century was, was really innovative, wait, what's happening this century? I and mean, we've got this new generation coming up with the, the millennials and the Generation Zs. They're even better at everything that I could possibly be. I mean, they're coming out with things that, that, that makes me go, hmm. You know, speaking of things that are complex and overly complicated for many employees, how about payroll, calculating taxes, deductions, compliance? None of that's easy unless you have Gusto. That's the sponsor of today's episode. Gusto's simple online payroll and benefits built for small businesses. Gusto automatically files your payroll taxes and directly deposits your team's pay. You can offer all kinds of benefits, 401k, health insurance, workers' comp, and more. And because you're a Startup Hustle listener, you can get three free months. Go to gusto.com forward slash Startup Hustle. Once again, gusto.com forward slash Startup Hustle. There's a link in the show notes. And I wasn't kidding. Things that are often overly complex for startup founders are things that seem simple, such as payroll. So with that, What's, you know, as you've progressed as an entrepreneur, an inventor, and an innovator, what's, what's something that really either continues to get you off track, sucks your time, or, you know, like, for example, like, like I wasn't kidding, doing payroll and stuff like that can end up being all you do. And that's why I'm happy for platforms like Gusto that make things like that easy. What was something, uh, what's something that, that pulls you off the tracks occasionally? Oh, man, that's, that's a very loaded question. You know, being an entrepreneur, <laughs> you know, you got to constantly worry about that revenue stream. So, you know, if, if you're not meeting the goals, if you're not meeting your daily goals, your weekly goals, your monthly goals, I mean, that's what really worries me. And, and many times I get, tend to, I tend to get sidetracked thinking that, Maybe if I just tweak the product this way, or maybe if I tweaked it that way, maybe I, if I could do something different, um, I can get the revenue back online, but that's never a good idea in many cases. I mean, you know, if you have to tweak the product because it's not selling well, then by all means. And having that ability to learn, to understand, to recognize early, uh, that's the key. So if, if something, if you bring a product in the market and and you, and you, after all the customer discovery that you've done and it's still not, not selling well, well, if you can find that out a lot faster, a lot quicker, that just saves you a lot of hassle and lots of disappointing moments. And, and, um, and, and, and I'm, I'm constantly looking for my gut because many times brain tells you that it's working. Your heart says you're in the right place, but your gut has an entirely different sense altogether. And, and, and I've, over the years, I've learned to listen to my gut a lot more than my brain and my heart. Because if my gut is telling me that, that something is amiss there, you better believe that there's something is amiss there. And I've learned it uh, hard ways in the past. So, so you know, kind of um, getting off track um, very fast and trying to figure out 
you know, why this is not working, listening to my gut. I mean, those are the things that I, that I've achieved over the years. You know, the listening to your gut thing is something that has evolved for me as I've gotten older. I'm 45 years old as of the time of this recording. And I didn't always used to listen to my gut because, you know, my brain was so much smarter than that. And uh, I look back at like every time something was like, I can, I can look back at the most disappointing everything's in my life and I can recognize that feeling. You got to pay attention to it. It's I think it's challenging to do when you're a little younger because it's often a new experience. And until uh, you've been kicked in the teeth or punched in the face or thrown out of a moving car or something like that, you don't really understand how shitty all those things are. Um, you know, another thing when you're talking about tweaking products, then uh, there's a term that, that we throw around sometimes. We say, don't be into gold plating. Meaning don't, you know, like some things just need to go out the door, push the update, like make it live. Like there's all we're doing at this point is gold plating something that doesn't need to be gold plated. And I think it's really, really easy to do that. I see people do it a lot, a whole lot, especially with software stuff, you know, and we at full scale, we work with, you know, dozens of different technology companies and, I've told several people, I'm like, it does, who gives a shit if your buttons are green, blue, or red, do they actually work? Yeah. You know, and I just see a lot of people burn a lot of time and energy. It's deflating for your team and a lot of other stuff. Now, speaking of things that are the opposite of deflating, winning is not deflating. We all like winning. So at your organization, what, like, what's a win? You know, what is, what, what? What puts points on the board? Obviously, selling something's good, but other than that, like, what what do you guys consider a win? Yeah, no, absolutely, uh, a very good question. I mean, you know, if, uh, if we can solve a problem um, and a customer, our, our customer is happy, that's a big win for us. I mean, literally, um, you know, this one of the products that we're developing for for one of our customer and. Uh, and, and we're developing it as an app, and that kind of app hasn't been developed ever before, ever. Um, and, and we're developing it. It's got machine learning and AI in it. It's got facial recognition, cattle facial recognition technology in it. Um, and when, when I started building the app, I did not realize that the, the scope. And, and that's something that, you know, as I mentioned about my gut, my gut was telling me that there's a lot more to this app. But my education, my background, my brain was telling me, oh, yeah, you know, I know I've, I know AI, I know machine learning really well. How hard could this be? Gosh, damn it. But it turned out to be a, 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 a big deal. And, uh, and, you know, after a few iterations, finally, the customer started saying, well, this app is looking good. Man, that just really perked me up. I... Um, I, I quick, quickly called all my developers and I said, man, this is really good. The customer is saying the last version of the app was really working great. And, and that's what we're going to, we got to launch with. So keeping, keeping the customer happy more than getting a revenue is, is what I consider a bigger win, the biggest win. If, if you can keep your customer happy, because we're in the digital marketing environment, Matt, uh, you know, this thing. We got Facebook, we got Twitter, we got new apps, digital apps coming out every single day, marketing apps coming out every single day. 
but that word of mouth advertising, that's still there. Um, if you pick an industry, no matter how big the industry for you, it seems that industry is small. There are players in there. Those customers talk to each other in the industries, in conferences and all that. So that word of mouth advertising is the best way to achieve new customers. So if you can make your customers happy, you've got the battle, you know, you can, you can start to win the battle. You know, I, I, the cattle app you're talking about, and I don't, you know, I can't remember where I heard about that. I don't know. I feel like it was through one of the business accelerators or something, but let, let me take a stab at this because I, I, I think I remember it. So cattle, now we're in Kansas, people. So wherever you're listening in the world, we've had listeners in 177 countries in 2020. We are in Kansas. We are in the middle of the United States. Yes, I live in a city and no, there are not cows in my backyard. Those are questions that people ask me when I've traveled the world. But uh, as far, now when you go a little bit out of the city, very rural, very farm oriented, um, our stretch of the country is often known as the animal health corridor. There's a lot of agriculture and stuff like that. And a lot of technology pops up, but I believe that with, with, with your, with the AI and the cattle that, uh, now, a cowboy, literally a cowboy, someone that has been tending cattle for years can look at a cow and often say that animal is not healthy just by looking at its eyes or it's something, it's some expression in its face. Doesn't your app actually do the facial recognition and the, the uh, like using computer vision or something like that? and matches these things up fairly accurately. So, cause look, when you have a whole pan of cattle, there's like, could be hundreds of them in there. And is that, is that your app? Yeah, absolutely it is. Um, and then, you know, and, and that's the thing, if you have hundreds of apps or hundreds of cows, it's, it's rather easy to manage them uh, manually as well. But talk, think about those dairy or those uh, feedlot owners or the, or the feed banks where they've got millions of cows. Um, yep. And all there, you know, it for, and again, you know, these, these, some of these cowboys, they're, they've been in this business for generations. I mean, ever since, you know, coming on uh, their, their forefathers coming on the, on, on the Mayfair bo uh, boat, they're, they've been doing this thing. So they're very good at what they do. They can just, you know, look at a cow um, and know exactly what the problem is. And, and we're just providing a tool for them where if they have millions of cows, it it would be impossible for them to get in front of the cow every single cow every single day and kind of say oh yeah this this cow's got the mastitis for example you know so so yeah i mean that's exactly what we're developing with our facial recognition yeah and that's that's what i've been so fascinated over this last couple of years with data science machine learning ai and so much of that and you know, computer vision, uh, especially people don't realize that uh, prior to computer vision and stuff like that, computers see in 2D, they don't have depth, they don't have a, a neural sense of looking at something and saying that's a corner of a room. Um, like it, you look at my background that's on the live stream right now and yours as well, they're slanted. Computer, it doesn't know that, but but computer vision has been able to put depth in that. And we've seen, oh man, uh, 
it's it, I talk to people using it everything from like what Davion Ross is doing over at uh, Shot Tracker to looking at what you're doing at Cattle. We had the folks from Cambrian Tech. They've built paint apps and stuff like that that major companies and uh, you know where uh, hardware and uh, you know Lowe's, Home Depot, stuff like that, using to help people figure out how to paint their walls and just all kinds of crazy stuff. And the thing that's even crazier is there's not very many people that know how any of this shit works. And, you know, that's, that's a bit of a problem. And that's why our company full scale's grown so fast because there's 400,000 open IT jobs in the U S. So I don't know, start studying, teach your kids how to use computer vision now, and then to have them call us. Cause there's probably plenty of work lined up, but yeah, it's a, uh, Interesting. You know, also have things like blockchain, and I I, th I agree with you. I think blockchain is grossly misunderstood, and sometimes by me. But you know, I love the I love the practical applications. Like used correctly, blockchain could eliminate billions of dollars of financial fraud every yeah. year. Yeah, I mean, so you know, uh, one of the biggest use case in DLT and blockchain that I'm a big fan of, and that's something that I'm developing as well. It's called digital identity. You know, if you look at Equifax got hacked in 2017, I think it was. And it took FBI over a year before they could even understand that the hack had happened. And by then millions of people, including me, had suffered um, identity loss. You know, if, hey, if I wanna, if I want my identity to be out on the dark web, I wanna be the one wanting to put it out so I can get some money out of it. Why should I get, why should I allow <laughs> a company to put my identity out uh, on a dark web, you know? And so, so my idea of this entire digital identity is that, that everything you do from your birth certificate all the way to your death certificate and everything you do in between goes on that chain. You control the chain. All your education, your marriage, your kids, your, your extracurricular activities, your sporting, your badges, your voluntary work, everything, all the things you do goes on it. So, you know, if you apply for a mortgage, for example, and the bank wants to see your employment history, you've got to, you just create a public key of your employment history only and give it to the bank and they view it. If you want to apply to a, a higher learning education institute and they want to see your bachelor's or, or your high school, you create a public key for your previous education and you give it to them and they'll view it. You control your own destiny. You become master of your own. If this is your data. Why are you allowing somebody else to manage it when you're fully capable of? Matt, um, when I came in this country in 1990, coming from India, I didn't think I was coming to the richest country in the world, uh, the most prosperous country in the world. I did not realize there were homeless people here as well. I thought that was, you know, a third world problem and not a new world problem. This is America. That was United States of America. You don't have, and and even now we've got, you know, so many government assistance program out there. There's, there's no way, no reason in the world somebody should be homeless with all the aids that our government provides. And, and when I, when I drive um, on, on I-35 and take the Broadway Street exit and right under the bridge, there are people standing there um, and, and driving on, on I-49 South and, you know, at the Grandview Triangle, there are people. 
it just breaks my heart. I just don't understand. Um, and one of the biggest reasons that I think that this is it, because despite of all the government um, AIDS programs, these people are not getting it. One of the biggest reasons is that they cannot prove who they say they are. And, and if we can somehow provide the digital identity, extend that to them, then they'll be able to, to prove who they say they are. And God knows, if, if my product can help one of those people, just one, I would feel very lucky and very humble that I did something in the world. And that's where I think the digital identity should play. Yeah, and you know, and and uh, and on that, and all great points there. It's it is, uh, you know, one of the things we've talked about on the show with past guests too is uh, blockchain and health records. And um, you know, it was Health Splash. It was one of the first shows we did. It was maybe like episode fifteen, and Brett, Brett Blackman and talking about the utility of that. And you know, like so here in Kansas City, uh, we're the home of Cerner which is, I believe, the second biggest medical software company in the world. They're huge. I mean, they're huge. They got like 80,000 employees here. And, you know, like, and they'll tell you they're, they're still figuring out why you have to fill out the same freaking paperwork every time you go to the doctor. But that's a reason. But, you know, some of the stuff we realized, and, you know, this, this podcast is such a learning experience for myself and others that participate was, really beginning to understand that practical application and how things like wearables, like your iWatch can, you know, just do certain things. And like, you will eventually go to the doctor and maybe hold your watch up to something and it'll download all of your past, whatever. And they'll say, uh, you're looking pretty good now, but two months ago you were having some arrhythmia and we might need to address that and whatever. And so, and I'd never even thought about this till I came until it was said to me, medicine and the way we practice medicine is very reactive like if you're having a heart attack so then you go you rush to the hospital now that's when the majority of the damage is already occurring if but however there's apparently like a gazillion signs and track that leads up to that that could be detectable that could be tracked and then you also have some interesting things you talk about being in blockchain i i have a feeling you you know him or know of my good friend travis wright who's the host of the bad yep. crypto podcast yep. and you know like travis has been a buddy of mine long before he did the crypto podcast and uh they him and uh his uh co-host and business partner joel com which, by the way, Joel Com had like the hundred thousandth website on the internet, which doesn't sound like a lot until you think about there's like uh, probably a close to a billion. So that's like an original gangster of domains there. But um, they, so they launched not N NFTs, non fungible tokens that they are attaching to digital collectibles and a whole lot of different stuff. They put this stuff out; it sold out immediately and was selling for a premium. Yeah. And, you know, like, and that's like, and he's very passionate about that. They're licensing and doing all kinds of things with all kinds of companies that, you know, do neat stuff. So there's, there's very interesting, you know, applications for so much out there. Now, before we move into the end of the show, I want to once again, thank Gusto for being a sponsor, not only of this episode of several other episodes. Thank you, Gusto. We appreciate it. And if you run a startup and you, you should try Gusto, I find that the majority of our guests that we have on Gusto sponsored episodes are already using their platform. You can deposit paychecks, file payroll, do your taxes automatically. 
get employee health insurance, onboarding, expert HR, and more. Once again, three free months, gusser.com forward slash startup hustle. There's a link in the show notes. Click it, check them out, see what's up. Now, for my episodes, and once again, I'm not the only host of Startup Hustle, so check out the episodes that Lauren is doing about all kinds of stuff and Andrew about other stuff. But I end mine with what I call the Founders Freestyle. I like to give my guests a chance to say whatever they'd like at the end of the show. And I'll take a moment to reply to that on our way out the door. So, Shaker, once again, thanks for joining us. And uh, here's the microphone. No, thank you. Thank you, Matt, for having me here. I really appreciate what you do and what Travis does. And, and there are other hidden gems in Kansas City that we have people like you who have done who've done so much for people like me, an entrepreneur, to give a mic to us to kind of talk uh, about what we're doing. So thank you so much. And, and, I, and I know that I've met a lot of people in Kansas City area uh, um, who are just fantastic entrepreneurs, business people. And I just say to all of them, just keep it up, man. Just keep it up. You know, this, there is always, there's always going to be tomorrow. There always going to be sun shining tomorrow. So if it's, if it doesn't seem like uh, that it's going uh, well today, you know, just, just, just wait, it, it will change really fast. And then I'm glad that, that you're invited me here. And I'm glad that you're part of us, uh, Matt, that, that, you know, you're not, no, you're not further than just one phone call or one email away, you know? So I'm glad that, that, that you are there to guide us, to help us, to, to make our voices heard. So thank you again. Well, I appreciate that. The pleasure is mine. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned, doing the show is it's, it's my daily learning. Um, we're coming up on our 500th episode. I don't know if this will be out before then, but or we just had our 500th episode, depending on how we publish this. But you know, with that, regardless of where you are, there are people out there that are doing things that you want to do, that are doing th- that have done things that you want to do, and they're probably very receptive to talking to you about it. So go find them. You know, you mentioned like Shager started, uh, he's he's passionate about blockchain, started a blockchain group here. Yeah, th- you know, over a hundred people at the meeting that you could have prior to the pandemic. And that's how things start. Every business was a startup, you know, like they all had day one. So, you know, whether you want to start your own podcast, guess what? there was, we had episode one came out one day and it didn't have, and we had 718,000 downloads in 2020. Guess what? The first month didn't look like that. You got to build it up. It's like playing with Legos. You just got to look for another piece. You got to snap it on. Sometimes you got to tear them apart and put them back together. Don't be afraid to ask for help. I think I'm going to end this show by saying one of the things that people seem to want, seem to like to quote me online. What's easier, climbing the mountain by yourself or asking those on top to pull you up? So keep your head up, even through tough times, look up and don't be afraid to yell, hey, can I get a hand? Absolutely. That's absolutely. I'll see you next time. I'll see you next time, Shaker. (laughs) Thank you so much. 
Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.